0: I, I tell you what, I—the um, longer I live, the more I see God—not in just the simple things, but in the realm of the impossibilities. The realm of the impossibilities. One of the key things I want you to understand, and this is not part of the message, but I just got to put this in, and. One of the things I I notice um, from time to time is that every single one of us will be challenged with God's, God's reality of our impossibilities. Anybody has ever been there before? Now, for those that say, well, what are you talking about? Let me put it in plain English. From time to time, even Christians struggle with whether or not God can. We know he will, but we struggle sometimes with whether or not he can. And it's not because he his power has diminished. Where the struggle come in is when we begin to look at how big the thing is for us, rather than focusing on how big he is and how powerful he is, we focus on what we're going through, making it bigger than him. All of us have taken that walk on the, on the water and at some point have taken our eyes off of him and begin to sink. But he is as close as reminding us of reaching out, reaching down, and pulling us up back to say, I'm always here with you. I'm always here with you. And I think that's the the, the, the believer's walk of faith is when we can believe In the midst of the impossible. Because it never makes sense to your relatives who don't know what you know. It doesn't make sense to your co-workers when they don't know who you know. But as long as you know who you know. I don't have to know how. All I need to know is who. And as long as I know the who is still on the throne, I'm good. (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. Amen? Amen? Well, how many of you ready for the word of God tonight? I know that's a really dumb question to ask. but You know, it's like when the parents fix the food a bunch of hungry kids. Are you guys ready to eat? And they look at you like, really? Really. Amen. Let's go before the Lord. Father, we thank you. And as we sit at the table of your word, I pray that you will just, you will give us revelation. We submit our heart, our ears, our eyes, our mind that our attention will be not divided between that which is heavy on our heart. Things that are unfinished at our job or that which we have to do when we get home. For one moment in our lives, may we lay everything down at the table of your grace. So today we come with a heart ready to receive. A mind that is alert, eyes ready to see what you want to do and take us. Guide us through your word. I submit to you, Father. You have this treasure. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. And God, we ask tonight, do your most perfect work in this earthen vessel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. God is good. Well, normally when I'm asked to do Wednesday, the senior pastor is not here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, I always love um, Wednesday night. Wednesday nights are good because, you know, you get to see me wear jeans. I know some of you are going, what? They have jeans that size? What in the world? Yeah, 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 I had a guy came in this mo- this mo, at- tonight and says, dude, I love that shirt. I say, you can't wear it, <laughs> and you can't have it, amen. So we're um, going for tonight, we want to take a look at, um, we're getting back in the book of John, and I want to move it a little further, because I think Pastor uh, Ben stopped at verse 21, or we pick up at verse 21, but I always like to jump back, go back and pull it forward a little bit. You know, to tie in some things where we where he's been, some things of where we want to go today. Before we do that, um, let's just I going to ask you some questions tonight, and this is going to be an interactive because I know you love interact action. Um, what do we know about Christ that the world either doesn't know or is struggling with? What do we know about Christ? That the world is, don't know, or is struggling with. So, man, I'm just seeing hands all over the place. I'll pop, 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 hands everywhere. Okay, Terry. Terry's got, have, got both hands up. Call me. Go ahead, Terry. Amen, amen. So, you know, we know that he went to Calvary to wash away our sins. Amen. Well, with with, with that being said, we are assuming because all of us agree with that, that we are sinners, that we had sin in our lives in need of a savior. We're assuming if we believe that we had need of a savior. Amen. Okay. Okay. So the world maybe don't realize that they don't have need of a savior. Maybe they went to books a million or books a zillion and found a self-help book and say, you're okay. Someone else. What is it that we know that the world doesn't know or they may be struggling? Way in the back, I see you waving. There is no way to God except through Jesus Christ. We are, again, we're assuming if we believe that, that we understand that he was the one ultimately that not not only opened the door but became the door, the way to the Father. Okay, okay. Boy, y'all, y'all working that back there. <laughs> right here, right here with the white hair. He is real. Amen. Assuming, not necessarily that he's real, assuming we've seen him. Because like the wind, most of us, all of us have never seen the wind. And somebody said, well, yeah, i always seen the leaves. Uh-uh. The leaves moving is just the effect of the wind. So because we've seen the wind's effect, we have this presupposition that he's, the win is real. And for anybody who would argue with the fact that we would say God is real and yet have not seen him, I simply say I've seen the effect of his existence. I've seen the effect of his power. I've seen the effect of his love, not only in my life, but people in the Bible and how God takes a man or woman destitute and only way to hell and strung out on drugs and then one moment in the presence of God just completely radically changed. All right, over here. Somebody had their hand up? Yes, all the way in the back with the pink. Like that, whatever color you have on. Yeah, you're looking back. All of that. He's a restorer. We're, because we say we believe that, that God is a, a restorer. We believe that there were things we did by our own choice that we had consequences and we lost some things. We let some things go. Some things got away from us. We messed up. We lost time. We had broken relationships. And because God is a restorer, we believe that because He's a restorer, now all that which is lost, all that which is broken, that which got away from us because we were in darkness, now has been made new. Man, y'all ready to go out on the streets? What y'all sitting here for? <laughs> Yes, right here. We know, in a, we believe in the triune God. Amen, amen. Right here. One more. Yes, sir, that's you. Ah, oh, get out my notes. <laughs> All things were made through him. And since we believe that, if we believe that, and I know we do, then you can look at your spouse and go like, ooh, thank you, Jesus. Or I'm going to go, I'm going to take you there. If all things are made by him and through him and for his glory, even the people that get on your last nerve, you can still say thank you, Jesus. Because maybe God created them and sent them into your life to manifest God as the restorer, God as the way to God, Jesus the way to God, and he's the redeemer, he's the one died for. Maybe he sent those people into your life. (laughs) So the age-old question is, what are some of the things people have said in the world today in religions who Christ is? What are some of the things religions or people who have have spoken about who Christ is? Yes, sir. A prophet? He's just merely a prophet? Just a man? The Messiah? Some said he doesn't even exist? Okay? So tonight, we have actually two thoughts. One is, who is Christ? And then the other one is, why Christ. Because I believe it, depending how you answer the first one will determine the purpose of the second part. Because if we don't, if if, if the world doesn't know who Christ is, they won't see the necessity of him. And if we're not careful as believers, watch this now, if we're not careful as believers the enemy will will, will convince us in one area or or another of our lives that God is not, Jesus is not who the Bible says he is in one area or another of your life. Because I'm going to tell you this, I'm going to just say this and we're going to jump into the message tonight. Um, Man, sometimes life becomes so overwhelming that you even, why do I even sit in church on Sunday? Why do I even go to Bible? Why do I even read? Why do I worship? This is hard. I know many of you haven't been there. That's why the Bible talks about over what? Over what? Over what? Over what? Over what? You see, you can't overcome something you've never had a battle with. And literally, here's what you need to understand. This battle is not yours in the first place. We don't fight to, main, we don't fight to gain victory. We fight to maintain what has already been done. So here we are. Let's just, let's just, just dive right into it. Let's just dive in. John chapter 8, verse 19 through 30. I want you to go ahead and put that up and let's, let's read. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Over here. All right. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. The, these words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. See, I love that. You couldn't put your hands on him because it wasn't time. As much as you wanted to put your hands on him, you couldn't. That's what, that speaks of the sovereignty of God and how he orchestrates stuff. Man, that's, that, jumped, that jumped out at me. You know, as much as they hated him, they could not do what they wanted to do because of the sovereignty of God. Satan cannot do to you what he wants to do because God is sovereign and Lord over your life. And if he could, he'd have done it, all, he'd have done it already. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will you will die in your sins. Your sin where I am going, you cannot go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says where I am going, you cannot come. He said to them, you are from below and I'm from above. You are of this world and I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, the most incredible question to be asked of Jesus and ask about him, who are you? Jesus said unto them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. So he's restating something all over again because these guys are not getting it. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world that I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the father. So Jesus said unto them, when you have lifted up, the son of man, then you will know that I am he. Notice he makes that statement again. I am he. And pardon, I think the uh, in some translations, the he is capital. It's supposed to be capital giving him divinity. I am he. Oh, by the way, hold it right there. Do you remember the night he was to be arrested? And it was dark. And Judas came up and kissed him, and then the, the temple guard says, um, Jesus, who are you looking for? He says, we're looking for Jesus, and Jesus says, I am he, and what happened? The Bible said these men fell back and fell on the ground. I don't know about you, but if I had the assignment that night of going, hook this guy up and drag him to be tested, and I fell back on the ground when he spoke, I'd have dropped my said, I'm out, see you, peace deuces, I'm gone i 'm gone, but look at the, look at this, the, the, the state the power of the statement. He says, I am he, and that I do nothing of my own authority but speak just as the Father taught me, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him, as he was saying these things, many believed in him, wow! What was going on in these few verses of Scripture uh, in John? Remember, the issue with John here is each one of the, the the writers of the Gospel was was portraying Jesus in a certain light. And I know Pastor Ben already dealt with that. John, how John portrayed Christ as he, and John was showing Christ as the Son of God and showing him not only Son of God but God in the flesh and showing his deity. And so throughout each chapter. It's going to be this theme about Jesus Christ and his deity, him being the son of God and God in the flesh. And so now he's speaking to these religious leaders. Sometimes, you know, uh, religious people can be very difficult to to reveal truth to. Notice I didn't say Christians. I say religious people because there's a distinct difference. What's the difference? I'm so enamored by what I know that God can't get past my mind to get to my heart religious i put more emphasis on what i do versus my relationship with him because what i do makes me look good so this is who is he ad- addressing his issue to and so throughout this we see that he's revealing something that is most important not only that we need to maintain but also the world needs to know who is christ and why, he, why is he Christ? There's a statement by Thomas Fuller. Put that up, please. Okay, Thomas Fuller said, You cannot repent too soon because you do not know how soon it may be too late. As long as you're alive and mentally competent, you have the opportunity to believe in Christ for eternal salvation. But the second you die, it is too late. You'll be lost forever. Did you see that? And so now he's he's trying to reveal once again who he is. And not only who he is, but he reveals some things about themselves. The first thing we need to understand about who Christ is being the redeemer, and he reveals himself, is this, that in order to go to heaven, because Christ is at the center of what he's telling the Pharisees, we have to recognize our true condition before God as a sinner. To go to heaven, there has to be a recognition of your true condition before God as a sinner. That was difficult for the Pharisees. They knew the law. they They knew the scriptures. But they were as lost as a de brown blind in a storm at night in the desert. Now, I don't even know what a de brown is. But whatever it is, it's not good. These guys were lost. How is it that they knew so much about the, 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 the law, the scriptures, prophecy, and yet that which was standing right in front of them, they were totally lost? Well, he reveals it to us. Because he's revealing to them not only who he is, but he's also revealing the state of their condition. You see, a man or a woman will never seek help unless they first admit they have a problem. This is the first thing he's trying to deal with them with. And to go to heaven, we must believe the truth to about ourselves and the truth about Jesus while there is still time. Look at John uh, chapter uh, 8, verse 19. Let's look at verse 19. Look what it says. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would have known my father also. You see the connection? You see the struggle they were struggling with? If we cannot know Christ in the accuracy of the word of God, we will, never be able to, the, we will never be able to know and understand the position and the condition we find ourselves in as unbelievers. Now, let me switch over and go to the believers. Part of who we are in Christ is, is, are some of the promise that he's made. And one of the promises he's made is that he's our redeemer and healer. And as such, we belong to God. God is our healer. What that means, we can act, go to God in his word and access his name for healing. You heard tonight uh, uh, how incredible God the surgery was, but you also heard what he was facing before he left. And it looked impossible to in the natural. Y'all remember what he said that Sunday? It looked impossible. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. All you needed to know is one person survived. Now, I, 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 we're going to make it too. We are not normal. Pe- oh, watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. When we give our lives to Christ, and Christ is going to redeem this here in a second. When we give our lives to Christ, we take on his nature. And we become, in a sense, a hybrid type existence which means that while the five senses govern this realm we move beyond the realm of the five senses because we serve a God who is a spirit and God works in the realm of that which is not seen and he's asking us who are sensory to move past sensory to move into the realm of the spirit Jesus is going to reveal this to these guys. That's why he says only spiritual things are discerned by the spirit, not by the carnal mind. Wow. To go to heaven, we must believe the truth about ourselves and the truth about Jesus while it is still time. Look at verse 21 and verse 24. There are two things that says it. First of all, in verse 21, he says, so he said to them again. Again, here we go. He says him." I'm going away and you'll seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. And then in 24, I told you that you would die in your sin for unless you believe that I am what? You will die in your sins. Unless you believe that I am. Am He? In other words, he says, unless you're willing to trust in and rely on all that stuff you have learned from a child, you will die in your sins. In other words, he's telling him, all that which you have learned is, is, is futile to you. Because you are not trusting and relying in the one whom you have come to learn. He is standing before you. He said, you will die in your sins unless you learn to trust in and believe that I am he. What is the ramifications of a person when they says, either I don't believe Jesus Christ is real or I believe that he is just a prophet? What's the ramification there? What's the consequences there? Hmm? Somebody said death? Huh? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Here is the most precious part of that. No hope of a savior. Because there is no hope of salvation nowhere else but Him. And when we lose hope, when the world lose hope in a Savior and lose and lose their, their understanding of who Christ is. They lived their lives from one moment to the next experimenting with things. These guys were going about establishing their own religion and could not understand why they had no eternal peace. And so here is this loving Savior give them some very harsh words. If you don't believe I am he, you are going to die in your sins. I don't care what the position is that you hold. I don't care what they call you with titles in front of your name. If you don't believe I am he, you are going to die in your sins. Wow. And he, it was so important that he repeated it twice. So important repeated repeat it twice. Now, look at Romans chapter 5, verse uh, 12 and, uh, through 14. Watch this. The reality, I don't know if you no, he don't have that. I'll put, I'll read it. The reality of the existence of all humanity is that by nature, we are sinners. We're born with a sin nature. That has to be a reality if we're ever going to, if people are ever going to come to Christ. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through 14 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, What is the reality of Romans 5, 12 through 14? Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to who? All people, for all have sinned. What was the reality that these guys, these religious guys didn't get? They didn't understand that in all of the stuff, the knowledge of gaining and of the scriptures, they were sinners and they never got it. Only a hungry man Will search for food. It is when you are thirsty that the drink of water on the table becomes something you really go after. Jesus said, Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, he said, God righteousness means the God kind of living, the God kind of life, they will be filled with the understanding of how to live the God kind of life. Amen. Wow. What is the key here we need to understand? Being religious can't save us. We must accept and receive who Jesus is. Being religious, he wanted these guys to know, being religious cannot save you. We must accept and receive who Jesus is. And the minute we accept who Jesus is and accept and receive him, it is at that point we realize how desperately we need him. Interesting. Um, If we're going to know that religion cannot save us, then we need to understand in order to go to heaven through the name of Jesus, we need to believe in Jesus as he is revealed in Scripture. We need to believe the Jesus of the Scripture. Now, I understand uh, uh, and I love the messages that have been coming forth in terms of Pastor Ben teaching on uh, biblical DNA. I love that. You know, I... I'll sit up there, and it's like we're going back to boot camp again. I love fundamentals. I've been coaching for 30 years, and my guys always tell me, Coach, your practices are so boring. Boring. I had a young man come in my practice. Uh, he played at Terrebonne, but he's a father now, and, and he, uh, he was waiting for something, and he decided to just step in my practice, and he sat down. And after the practice was over, he's also my barber, so, you know, don't hold it against him. And I was in the barbershop, and he said, Coach, I just got to say this. I sat and watched an hour and a half of your practice, and I see why you win without players. I see why you win without the best talent in this, in this, in this area. Because I see instruction. I see fundamentals being taught. I see the little things. And to me, it's really not a little thing. Because too many times we, we, we make the little things little, but it is the small foxes that spoil the vines. And I love the fact that the DNA series, Pastor, is taking us back. Not that we forgot it, but sometimes we need to be reminded of the fundamentals of why we believe. Not only who we believe, but why do we believe it? Why do you believe what you believe? The Muslims believe that they're right. The Buddhists believe that they're right. The atheists are convinced that they're right. But why do we believe? Why do we say we have the truth? Wow. Wow. Go to heaven, we must believe in Jesus, in the Jesus as it is revealed in Scripture. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 16, here's what it says. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? There it is. And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah and others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied. You are the Christos, the anointed one, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ. You are the Christos. You are the anointed one. As a child in Sunday school, I never forget this. It was the most embarrassing thing I ever, and I just thought I knew the answer. My, and I was probably like seven or eight, maybe nine years old, and I was very shy. So, you know, whenever you got me to answer, I, you know, I. I, I my Sunday school teacher says, What is Jesus' last name? I'm like, Man, I got this one. I got it. I got it. I mean, it was just like maybe about 50, 60 kids in the classroom. And they said, Well, okay, Freddie, what's Jesus' name? His last name is Christ. And when I'm like, I'm going to get the lollipop, and she went, No. And I thought, For sure. I mean, every time you look, you see Jesus Christ. You know, every now and then when kids mess up, you go, Jesus Christ, what are you doing? Christ is is his anointed name. It is the name given to him to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the work that the Father has called for him to work. Christ is the Christos, the anointed one. And he says, Simon Peter revealed that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So if we believe anything other than what the scriptures say, we're going to find ourselves walking in a direction and believing something that's not true. Amen? So if we're going to, Jesus will be the object of us getting to heaven. We got to believe in what the scriptures say. And it's interesting. It's not up there, but I'm going to read this from Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15. What does the scripture say about Christ, the preeminence of Christ? It says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created. Someone said that over here. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth. That's Colossians 1:15 Visible and invisible whether thrones dominions or rulers or authorities all things were created through him and for him and he is before all things and in him all things are held together What is the scripture saying here It's speaking of his preeminence There is no one greater than Christ, because he's one with the Father. Colossians chapter 115 reveals to us the authority, the preeminence that the Father has bestowed upon his Son, and then because he has bestowed that upon his Son, we who have accepted him have made us sons of the Most High God because of our connection with him. And this is what Jesus was telling them. Guys, if you cannot believe who I am, then you have no connection with the Father. I don't care how many times you go, shalom, shalom, shalom. You you can do all this all day long, but it's all for nothing. It's all for nothing. The preeminence of Christ. Peter's confession that he is the Christ. And John, uh, John chapter 8, verse 25 and 26, do you have that? John chapter 8, verse 25 and 26. So he said to them, he said to them, they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. And I have much to say to you about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the, wor- to the world that I have heard from him. It was customary in the Jewish uh, uh, custom. That when someone testified of themselves, they needed another witness to verify what they're saying is true. And the reason why Jesus could say what he said about himself is is because, number one, he he was truth personified. He understood where he came from, and then he understood his mission as to where he was. The reason why he made this statement about himself because of his, he understands his eternal existence before time. But just because he understood the law, he now throws the Father in. The Father has testified of what I have said about myself. You asked to see the Father. But if you, if you see me, you see him. And if you can't receive him, me, you can't receive him. So Jesus said, I am saying what I'm saying because the father has already said it about me. And so we have a witness here on earth and a witness in heaven. The problem is they still didn't get it because they didn't believe the earthly testimony of God in the flesh. Wow. 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 So they said to him, who are you? Very good question. We must believe in Jesus as the eternal God sent to earth by the Father. We must believe in Jesus as the eternal God sent to earth by the Father. I'm going to stop right there. I'm gonna, watch this. We know how powerful God is. We know Jesus, the miracles he did. He told the disciples to tarry in Jerusalem and to wait on the promise of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they became bold witnesses. And everywhere these guys went, here was the testimony of what was said about them. They turned nations and worlds upside down. You know why they were able to accomplish that? Because at some point, they died. They died to themselves. I'm telling you now, one of the things that Pastor Ben sort of speaks volumes of to us in our meetings guys we are believing god for every time we gather we're believing god for a sovereign move among us not that so we can just say it's happening at living word but we we don't want to make god that small we want god to move sovereignly because there is a work that has to be done before he comes back and if we position ourselves to say father we don't come with our own intentions. We don't come with our own agenda. We come for the sole purpose of hearing from you, to, re- to worship you, to honor you, so that you can do what you've been wanting to do from the eternity past. Have your way, dear Jesus. That's our purpose for gathering, so that when we leave this place, we will enter our mission field. That's the purpose. Wow. Wow. You must believe that Jesus, as the eternal God, sent by, to earth by the Father. Now, let's look at several verses. Uh, first of all, John 8, 16. Look at what it says. Yet even I, if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Notice the witness of the two. Go to the next verse. Verse 18. I am the one who bears witness about myself. And if the Father who sent me bears witness about me, and the Father bears witness about me. The next verse. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. And then final, I think that was verse 29. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Do you see the connection? What is Jesus doing? He's not legitimizing himself just on the basis of his word. What he's actually doing in conjunction with his word, he's legitimizing what he is saying by saying and echoing, the father has already said the same thing about me. The father has already said the same thing about me. Me. And he says, because of what he has called me to, I testify to the world of the truth of why he sent me. Wow. He said, I come to judge, and my judgment is true. Now I want you to look at the next statement. Jesus reveals the distinct difference between himself and the religious leaders. He reveals the distinct difference between himself and the religious leaders. Look at the 23rd verse. He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world and I am not. Now, keep that up right there. This is interesting. In everything that he has said, he's about to now put this thing right on the doorstep of where they live. And he's about to reveal to him, here is why you are struggling. Here is why even from time to time, we struggle from time to time. He says, you are from here below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Here's what he's saying. The things that that limits you does not limit me. The box that you sit in, I got inside the same box you in, and I blew the sides off. You just need to realize that I am God eternal. Step into the realm of this physical realm and blew out the boxes so that I want you to see things the way I see them. Now, what did he say that, why did he say that you are from below? Because it is often the problem because we can't see a thing, hear a thing, smell it taste it and touch it we don't believe that that thing is real that governs here but jesus says what governs you and limit you does not limit me because i'm not from here he was declaring his sovereignty over everything that exists and he doesn't stop there you know what he does he says if you have faith to believe in who i am I will cause you to see what I see. (laughs) If you believe in who I am, you will begin to live your life above the sensory realm, above that which is, Lord, even though I can't see my way out of it, I'm going to trust what your word has said about who you are in my life and place it in your hands. And again, I don't need to know how. All we need to know is who. He makes a very distinct difference between himself and the religious leaders. Watch this. This huge gap between God, Jesus Christ, and them. All of the good works that we do, that humanity try to do, cannot draw us any closer or close that gap. Can't happen. Good works cannot close that gap. Jesus became the bridge for us. That if we accept who he is, the bridge has been, the gap has been bridged. He showed them. He said, guys, you have a a futile attempt to try to get to the Father, but you're trying to find another way other than me. And how many times we see the world trying to solve their problems When the problem is them. Let me give an example and I'll get to the end of it. In order to solve the issue of school shootings, let's put guns in the hands of teachers. I've been teaching 30 years. Can I just reveal something to you? There are certain teachers don't need to have a gun, (laughs) even if it's a water pistol. Do you see the problem with that? The problem is trying to solve the problem. Can I go all the way back to you? When the legislature in this country decided that we no longer want to make Christ the center of our educational system, here we go. Here we go. When you remove Christ at the center of your existence, you are now left to try to solve your own problems. Good luck with that one. Good luck with that one. Look what it says here. Verse 23. Verse 23, it says, he said to them, you are from below, I am here from above. You are not of this world, I am of, I am not of this world, and you are. We must believe that Jesus was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven. He brings up another issue with them. In verse 28, look what it says. In verse 28, Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that. And that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. It says, Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. What was Jesus doing? He was prophetically talking about his death. Here's the connection in that statement. Jesus says, as as Moses lifted up the serpent, in the wilderness, so the Son of Man will also be lifted up. Remember when they were being bitten by snakes and, and they cried out for it to be healed. And God told them to erect a, sta- a stake and cross it and put a snake on it and hold it up high. And those who look upon it would be healed. That was the type of shadow of Christ being lifted up. He says, when you see the Son of Man lifted up, then you will know that I am He. And I do nothing of my own authority. What he was saying, guys, I'm going to allow you to kill me. I'm going to lay it down. This is what he was revealing to them. They didn't get it. He says, but when I'm lifted up, then you're going to know that I am he. Because when you stick me somewhere for three days, I'm going to tell you now, don't close your eyes too long because I'm coming back. Wow. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 15, verse 12 through 17 it makes a very powerful statement about believing that jesus was raised from the dead it says now if christ is proclaimed and raised from the dead how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead but if there is no resurrection of the dead then not even christ has been raised and watch this here's the problem if christ has not been raised then our preaching is what and then our faith is what We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testify about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, whom he did not raise. If it is true that the dead are not raised, he said, if Christ is not raised, he said, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Do you see the problem? Remember, I asked you before, who is Christ and then why is Christ? The why here is that if we understand that he is raised from the dead, then everything that comes from this pulpit, everything you read from this Bible, it is true and it is amen. It is not vanity. It is true. If Christ is raised from the dead, which he is, then we can put our total trust in what the Bible has said about who he is. That when when the candle of your life is about to flicker out, You can close your eyes with confidence. I have trusted him here. Now he'll get me there. Let me give you an equation. Life here with Christ means life there with Christ. Here's the flip side. Life without Christ here, there is no Christ on the other side. Wow. Amen. And it talks about the resurrection of the dead. He talks about the resurrection of the dead. Wow. In Romans 10, 8 through 11, it talks about us understanding this reality of who Christ is and why Christ is. In Romans chapter 10, verse 8 through 11, it says, But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you and I confess in our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God did what? That God did what? Then we will be what? For with the heart one believes and is what? Justified or declared. Now remember, you can't have justification without salvation. Okay? Then you are justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Wow. Then he closes the book and closes that section in verse 24 through 27 of that same chapter. And here's what he says. I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he who will you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge. But he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard him from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the father knows what it says. They did not understand. They did not understand that they have that he had been speaking to them about the father. Wow. Now, while the religious leaders didn't get it. Can I tell you who Did. Look at verse 29 and verse 30. I want you to look at this. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. So I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Can I tell you who these people were? It was those who had a heart to receive the truth about not only who Christ was, but also why Christ was. Because in the totality of tonight's message, we learned that he is the Christ, that he's one with the Father, that unless we grasp that truth, they're going to die in their sins. So why is Christ? Salvation. To bring us life. Without understanding who Christ is, We will never accept why Christ came. Amen. I want you to stand to your feet. Father, we thank you. What an incredible truth John laid out before us. And he testifies of that which Christ has testified. That he and the Father, Christ and the Father is one. John echoed that. John also echoed what Jesus said, that unless you're willing to believe me and who I am, you will die in your sins. But we thank God for those who have a heart to receive the truth that is revealed in God's word. That as many as come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, he makes them sons of God. And Lord, I pray that that will never be something we walk away from regardless of what's going on in the world, we stand on that truth that Jesus is the Son of God, God in the flesh, revealed himself to us, but even more importantly, the Father and Christ is one, and we who believe in him, though we were dead, yet shall we live. I pray that that message become profound to us, I pray that that message become the reality to us so that we can bring the truth of these scriptures into a world that does not know Jesus Christ as the Savior. Father, we thank you that today we will choose to walk away with that understanding. And that God, those who we will face in the marketplace, those we will face on the highways, those we will face on our jobs, we will share with them and teach them and tell them about the reality of who Christ is and why Christ is. He is the Son of God. He is the Savior. And He came to give life to all who would receive Him. Father, empower us with boldness and confidence to be witnesses for you. We thank you and we honor you and may you bless your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.